On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Leaving out the avocado in your salad to save money is not good for morale or your fiber intake. Luckily, State Farm knows the value of the little things. It's why they've got options, like insuring your home and ride with surprisingly great rates on both. Because you shouldn't have to give up what you love for great insurance. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, Saturday, May 21st. It is Ian Cameron. Uh, we've got our weekend man, Vito, with us, as always, on a Saturday and a Sunday edition of the show. And we've got another special guest. Man, the special guests have been absolutely crushing it here on the Ice Guys show. They've been great. They've been fun. They've been, you know, good people to talk to. They've given us a lot of, uh, you know, specific stories about their hockey past, a great insight from a hockey standpoint, you know, what's going on right now in the playoffs on the ice. And I'm sure today will be no different. We're happy to welcome a former pro hockey player, many years professionally uh, over the years, Kyle Bond uh, joining us here on the Ice Guys. And, you know, it's funny, Kyle might have been on during the regular season with us at one point, but just busy work. Life gets in the way, but finally, good to finally make it happen. Kyle on the show here. Kyle, welcome to the Ice Guys. How are you? I'm good, and thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into the uh, playoff discussion and what's going on right now in the NHL, as always, we go uh, down the uh, memory lane, if you will, uh, and we uh, look back on Kyle's hockey career. How did it start? How did you get into hockey? All that stuff. Where did you play throughout the uh, years? And uh, basically, Kyle, your chance to talk about uh, – the hockey journey that you have been on? Uh, yeah, loaded question. <laughs> um, so now where do we start, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so from Toronto, uh, born and raised, um, got into hockey young. My grandfather played for the Leafs for 20 something years. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a natural, oh, that, between that and just being in Toronto is a natural fit. Um, so grew up playing in the GTHL, I played for, majority of the time Markham majors and towards the end ended up going over to the Toronto Titans, which was the old Wexford Raiders and, uh, finished my career there. We ended up winning, uh, GTHL championship actually, um, with the Titans, my midget year. Um, anyways, never under, never drafted to the OHL or NHL. I, after graduating high school, I ended up playing in the CCHL for two years with the Cornwall Colts um got a scholarship to Colgate University and there was five guys from my team uh sorry four guys from my team on Cornwall that we all went to Colgate together uh which was pretty cool we ended up 
they gave us the power play that we had in Cornwall and we added a D man and um, things started going well my freshman year. And that was where I first started getting some attention from the NHL. And uh, at that point I didn't even have an agent. And uh, so, yeah, basically ended up playing three years there, uh, signed a deal with Chicago and played two or three games. I think it was in 2015, the year they last had won. And so I played the last two or three regular season games. Um, so that was super cool to be a part of. And then the following year, made the team out of camp, played a couple more games, um, and then was sent down to Rockford. Played out two years of my contract there, was traded to Laval. Um, and that was Laval's first year in the American League when they had moved from Newfoundland um that was a bit of a tough year uh team just wasn't very good but ended up getting traded back to toronto which brought things full circle and uh that was that was a lot of fun um so it was what sheldon keith and kyle dubas and still a few guys from that are up with the Leafs right now we're all a part of that team and we ended up winning um so that was a lot of fun following that year went over to europe um I was in like a bit of a weird spot with hockey where um, the AHL grind was just kind of wearing on me and decided to just wanted to have fun with it. Uh, so I ended up signing in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, and Oh, really? Our- Belfast? Yeah, that, that EIHL. Did you play with Kevin Rain by chance? He was on our show last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Ryan Johnson was on the show as well. Relatively yes, he was. Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I was talking to him. Yeah talking to him earlier today uh, I didn't realize but that was funny um and so part of the deal with going to the EIHL is you're able to go back to school uh, so I did my MBA while playing over there and then we ended up winning there as well again kind of almost fell in love back in love with the game and we so yeah I got an offer to go to Vienna um which was 2019 and we were first, second place team in playoffs, COVID hit. And uh, yeah, I don't know, the hockey world kind of got flipped upside down after that. And that was where I retired. That, so basically, you know, you if, if the, so let me ask you, if there was no pandemic, no COVID-19, life carries on as normal 2020, were you going to continue on playing hockey or were you still, regardless of the pandemic at the point where you're thinking of, no, we're going to probably call it a career pretty soon? Um, I mean, that was part of the issue. Like obviously the, a lot of places still had seasons, but there was just a lot of uncertainty. Um, I was at a spot where I had like, was thinking about what's next for Kyle. Um, but within saying that, I had a lot of fun in Vienna. Vienna is an awesome city, Austria in general, just that league is a great league, a lot less games, not as hard on the body, um, just a beautiful country in general. So I was having a lot of fun there and we had a good team. And so presumably there was a, I, what it's very difficult to leave the game of hockey um, as, assuming you have places to go play and um, that's a consensus from everyone we've talked to these last few weeks during these playoff shows the day they said that was it it was a tough decision brutal very tough and so COVID made it easier in a way um, or I don't want to say easier but just kind of forced me out like it was that decision became a little bit more clear and I considered going back um, in January but there was just no money and um, obviously you're paying because you don't want to be paying to play. So uh, yeah, I just kind of made that decision a little bit easier. And, um, but yeah, no, I've been 
started another career, new chapter, um, which has been exciting. Now, the part of the now when you were with the Marlies, and of course, this is what I wanted to discuss a little bit more in depth with Kyle, because look, there's a lot of Marlies that he played with that season. It was 2017, 18. It was actually the year they won the Calder Cup. Uh, they beat the uh, Texas Stars uh, that year in the uh, championship. But uh, you look at all the players that were on that team that are now in the NHL, either with the Leafs or in other places. I mean, Pierre Engvall, uh, and there's uh, there's so many of the Marlies that are with the Leafs now that have been called up. You look at the Kings, who actually, they got some of those Marlies players. Carl Grundstrom uh, as their play-by-play guy, and I stole it from him, Todd Crocker, the voice of the Marlies. Uh, what he would say was, witness the power of Grundstrom whenever he scores a goal. Uh, and so he's in L.A. Trevor Moore uh, as well was with the Marlies. He's with the L.A. Kings. And man, what a fucking season that guy has had. Unbelievable. And I've been the beneficiary of it, Kyle, with these goal score props, points props. I have been hammering these multiple times with Trevor Moore. And boy, is it coming is it coming profitable for me? You know, being able to take better prices with him because I don't think people are truly realizing how good that guy has played. And I think he's also fired up to be at his absolute best playing close to home. He's a California kid. Uh, so I think playing for the LA Kings means, Hey, uh, I got to be at my best every night, but talk about some of those uh, players. I know you were, I think you ended up playing, you know, something like us uh, 18 games or something like that uh, with the Marlies that season, but talk about some of the players you played with there that are now at the next level and what you saw from them at the time and how you think they're going to be as NHLers. Yeah, so well, starting with Trevor Moore, that guy's unsurprisingly doing super well. I think it was, I don't want to say for the best that he got out of Toronto. I just think that his, I mean, that guy can play up and down the lineup, so he he could definitely play a role with the Leafs. Um, but he's, he, I think he's more than that, um, and I think you're seeing that in LA. And uh, I always thought, I think I played a couple games on his line, and it was like. So much fun. The guy's just always in the right place. He's he passes when you're open. Um, a lot of fun to play with. So very excited that he's doing well. Um, Carl Grundstrom, he had just came over to Sweden at the end of the year and um but ripped it up in playoffs. Again, no surprise. Um, and then Pierre Engvall, another guy, also uh came over at the end of that season. And yeah, it's been impressive to see him stick with the Leafs and kind of carve out this role um on third line for himself and uh very happy for him who else is there justin hall who's a guy that takes a lot of heat but i think he he's a great guy um i mean last season uh not the one that is currently going on but the previous season i mean you saw what he's his ability it, it actually is and he's also just um super cool story. Like he started from the East coast and worked his way up and not yeah. many guys have done that. Um, I think he might've won in the coast. Not bad for the worst defenseman on the team, right? Steve Simmons, you fuckhead, you absolute <laughs> shithead, you absolute fucking douchebag. Yeah, I mean, I could, don't get me started on that guy, but carry on. Yeah. Uh, or question if you want to call it that. And yeah. very bizarre. Cause again, he's like, Halsey is such a good guy and um, is a guy that, you know, is working his ass off and, Sure, guys getting slumps, and uh, Toronto's obviously a tough place to play, right? Um, people are going to – that media can get to you. Um, I think as a player, you should just not be listening to it. I don't think most of them do. But still, you, you feel that pressure when things aren't going well a little bit more than in other places maybe. Um, there's quite a, quite a few guys that run that team, though. I'm trying to think of who else off the top of my head. 
Uh, I mean, there's guys like Colin Greening, um, who is who are more veterans. Ben Smith, yeah. um, all great guys. I mean, Black Hawks, Leafs, and Senators for Colin Greening for a bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, the, the, there was a it was a great team to be a part of. Um, it was like bittersweet in a sense because I didn't really play too much during playoffs, um, which is partially a function of just how many people we had. But I like, I'm a big fan of uh, Adam Keefe. Or sorry, Adam Keith is Sheldon's brother, who's actually the coach at Belfast. Belfast, yeah. Um, but big fan of Sheldon Keith. I he actually coached against me in juniors in Pembroke when I was playing in Cornwall, so that that was cool. Um, but they were always straight shooters with me and were very upfront about the situation. Um, Kyle Dubas, I think, is great. I, I feel like some GMs can have it's a very transactional relationship where they don't really want to like look you in the eyes necessarily, or even be around you. Like Kyle Dubas is very invested in, in each person, um, which I think is great. And I'm happy that they've decided to keep them around after this past season. I, I think good things will happen. They've been very successful wherever they've been. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to and hoping for the best for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's not their fault fully i mean it's this is just a this is just uh, for this year's leafs team it's just so unfortunate because i thought their effort the intensity their you know commitment you know the price you have to pay to win in the playoffs the sacrifice you have to make you have to be willing to do it and for, from what i saw last year they weren't willing to do it i think game seven against montreal last year was about as shameful and brutal and pathetic as, a, as, as i've ever seen from a team in a big game like that at home I thought they were meek. I thought they were timid. I thought they were shy. They looked like their knees were knocking there on the ice all night. They were scared to make a play, scared to make a hit, scared to do anything, really. And Montreal controlled that game start to finish, whereas you see how they lost game seven uh, this uh, just uh, recently here against Tampa Bay. It much different feel. I mean, they went out on their sword. They went out with honor. They went out valiantly, you know, if you will. I mean, they gave it their all and just fell up short to the an incredible hockey team, you know, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions who, as we're seeing, have been buoyed, if you will, by that Leaf series victory. And look what they're doing now against Florida. Uh, they're up 2 nothing already uh, in that series. But uh, just some thoughts from you on Sheldon in particular. Because just from watching that Leaf documentary last year that uh, HBO Max did, which was a great documentary, by the way, always communicating with players, with his front office group, his management group. There was no gray area. There was no, boy, this player, I, I wonder what Sheldon's thinking right now. Am I doing a good enough job? What areas do I need to improve in my game? You never really had to worry about that with Sheldon. At least it seemed to me watching that, that he was always communicating with the players, letting them know what they had to work on, you know, things they, that he liked about their game, things he didn't like about their game. And he wasn't shy to say it. Like he says, hey, you're going to, especially with Jimmy Vesey, you know, in that documentary, he said, hey, you got to work harder or else you're not going to be here much longer. Uh, he basically put it in plain terms right there. No sugarcoating it. No hiding the truth. Spitting facts, if you will. And I think players appreciate that kind of a coach that's willing to be upfront and honest and tell them, you know, how they absolutely feel, right? Yeah, no, he – well, okay, so I haven't seen all of that documentary. Some people thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that he was like, too intense, yelling, freaking out a lot. Um, I didn't experience that side of him. I think he's measured in terms of doing that. He'll pick his spots when to do it, but he's not one of those guys that's a tyrant, ranting and raving all the time. It, I don't sense time, that. No, and I thought that was like a big misunderstanding when people were talking to me. Again, I can't speak to it. Now, um, given a lot of that was filmed during the Montreal series, like, 
I don't think it was inappropriate at all. Um, I think it was very appropriate and probably, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be frustrated as a coach in that kind of situation? So, um, yeah, my, my experience was very positive. Um, again, I don't think I was scratched more than like two uh, games during my entire tenure in the AHL. And I ended up getting scratched that entire playoffs pretty much. And I still have a lot of respect for the guy because he it wasn't like he was beating around the bush or feeding me some BS, blowing smoke up my ass. Um, kind of thing he was very upfront about what this was and um if there was an opportunity i would get in but this is the lineup that we've chosen and we didn't have any injuries ever and i mean we ended up winning um i mean so we were game five in the first round of the american league uh which was it's just a five game series and I mean, he the way like we were playing Utica, who was like a massive underdog, and they were playing us tight. But I remember the message before that game was like he was cool, calm, just let's go out, play our game. This is, it's a one game series now, and it was it was the right approach. Um, he has a good way with players in general. Um, it's not buddy buddy, but he's gonna have those direct conversations with you. He'll have fun when it's appropriate, and just he's very good at like knowing time and place. Um, when when he needs to light a fire under someone's ass or when he can have fun. Um, and yeah, so I, I think he's the right guy to be able to handle the pressure in Toronto. And um, yeah, no, I, I, I think as shitty as the loss was this year, um, I think it was a good learning moment. Like to your point against Montreal, like some of these losses have just been Either the Leafs were just weren't ready and we got blown out, or it was just a lack of effort and pretty embarrassing. Uh, that's not when you learn. You learn when you have those tough losses and you're like together as a team. Um, so I think trying to keep this this group together as best as possible and um, giving them one more kick at the can, like that that those types of experiences bring a team closer together. Yeah, no question about that. So a very great insight about the uh, Marley's days for you and just, you know, being affiliated with the Leaf franchise when you were there briefly. Toronto guy, cheer for the Leafs. Grandfather uh, played for the Leafs. How sad is it, by the way? I haven't won a Stanley Cup since your grandfather laced up the skates for the uh, Toronto. I'm sure you've heard that a million times before, but uh, here we are. And by the way, Bobby Bond, four-time Stanley Cup champion in the 1960s. Uh, with those Leafs teams, I'm sure your uh, grandfather shared a ton of stories from those days and playing with just, you know, Frank Mahovlich, Dave Keon. You know, he may have even played with uh, Tim Orton at the very end of Tim's career, too. It's just an yep. unbelievable, you know, history and being able to really delve into some of those great years for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, we're still waiting for some great years since then, uh, unfortunately, if you're a Leaf fan. But uh, it's pretty cool. Then, you know, my grandfather played in the NA and played for a long time, over a decade. Uh, in the NHL four times won a Stanley Cup pretty cool to have a grandpapa right like that big uh big foot or shoes to fill that's for sure um yeah no I mean de definitely lots of stories um and obviously his legend uh or that legendary goal uh continues to live on which is which is cool um I mean definitely has been able to give me a lot of insight into my career and um just once you get to that level um it's a lot different than junior hockey or even college hockey, whether it be the dynamic of, well, it's, it's no longer just a game that you're playing to have fun. It's a, it becomes a business. Right. Um, and that's, 
I mean, one of his things that I think he's most proud of, which isn't even on the ice, um, it was starting the players' union. He was a big part in that um, and just having the players get their worth. Um, so he's he understands that dynamic. His body has taken a severe toll from playing 17 years in the NHL. And this is before that we had the knowledge of stretching and training and working out like i had an era that was very physical very and he played that style of game i I, I know that for sure Um, so but so knows what we should how we should be compensated and um was always made me aware of that um not to settle for anything less than what you should be getting paid kind of thing um so yeah no he, he was a great person to lean on as I was going through all of that. Um, and yeah, he's still, still living in Toronto. Um, I think it's been frustrating for him just with the Leafs struggling. Um, but uh, we're, we're all optimistic. <laughs> we're, that's all you can be. That's all you can be is optimistic. Cause if you're something else and you think of all the 50, what uh, 55 years now uh, of not winning a Stanley cup, it's just depressing and, uh, makes you really, really puts you in a bad place. So, uh, where I'm a bit twisted is I all it's like a win win for me because seeing Toronto media and like the die, the true diehard fans just melt down is equally as funny, which is like maybe a little bit messed up, but I'm just like, it's it's too good not to. And like, in not so much this year, but in like past years, you've you just know it's a recipe for disaster. Um, so I always get a kick out of my like diehard Leaf fans just losing losing their minds over them. Like it's not surprising. Yeah. So you're you want to see them do well. Obviously, you cheer for them, but you're at the point now where you're numb to it. You know, it's, it's just like funny. you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Okay. I'm not going to lose my shit if they get bounced in a first round again. I've seen this movie play out before. I'm not going to just lose my mind now. It's, well, not. you saw my DraftKings lineup before the game seven. And it was like. The worst lineup, you, I mean, there's 20 bucks on the line. It was more fun because, like, I want to see him do well. But at the same time, my best buddy was sitting next to me just having the biggest meltdown of his life. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, guys, have you seen what Cooch is doing now in playoffs? Yeah. Cooch, Cooch is all about the timing, man. He gets yeah. he gets hot when he needs to get hot, man. Cooch, Cooch is Rob, yeah. Player, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen a better player than Cooch. Yeah. No, Kucherov. Uh, Kucherov is—he's uh, uh, been amazing, really. All every year they won the cup. We haven't talked years. about him whole season, you know. He was yeah. there. He was not there. He was in a shady injury like last year and so on. But now when the playoffs are, he's making the top place, man. He's yeah. making that one play and he's making the second play, the pass in front of the net, man. But coach is the key, man. Yeah. That it's play is valuable. There's so many guys um, that will do that during the season. And not to go on Mitch Marner, but that guy puts up an insane amount of points during the season, and he's a rock star and a difference maker. Um, but you don't see that translate into playoffs, right? Um, now, having those guys, even like a Brad Marchand, right? Like he plays with that edge, and that works in playoffs. Um, pure skill. But I, like in saying all that, I think he did have a little bit more jam in his game this year. Um, and that's what you that's what you need if you want to win at that level in the playoffs. 
Yeah, it is. And th- that's what they, the Leafs have to figure out is getting uh, to that next level. All right. We promise we will get to some NHL discussion in just a second. We'll recap the two games last night and then get into St. Louis, Colorado. And we'll let Kyle specifically talk about some of the three games tomorrow. But first, we always like to throw out just a little highlight from the uh, past for our player guest. And we're going to do more of the same here. Let's roll it. Was. Oh, there we go. There it was. First goal as a Toronto Marley for uh, Kyle Bond, called by someone who's in Hamilton, my neck of the woods for years, doing McMaster football, Bulldogs hockey on the local Hamilton network. Todd Crocker, oh, Kyle Bond, big first goal. I love his voice when he gets excited. Just uh, <laughs> he gets into it. He's a good guy, uh, Todd Great Crocker, guy. for sure. He is absolutely. But uh, good memory, I'm sure, uh, Kyle Bond with the first uh, Toronto Marley's goal. Although it's funny, we always look for an old highlight or an old clip, an old goal, an old fight from every player guest. I happened to stumble upon something else. Kyle Bond was brought in to do some kind of classic rock trivia when I think when he was playing for Rockford. And I was absolutely shocked, dismayed, and a little bit hurt that he didn't know, couldn't identify Robert Plant uh, from Led Zeppelin, uh, one of the absolute iconic classic rock bands of all time. I listen to them all the time. I'm a big classic rock guy. That was... It's disappointing, Kyle. I got to admit. Uh, in my defense, um, great with music, um, horrible with like who who sings it on the spot. Right. Just, that, that's where I struggle. That's my weak spot. The official names of the band members, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm. It's it's tough because my mom. We always driving me to hockey growing up. She'd always be like she would listen to Q107 and classic rock station in Toronto. And she'd be like, who is this? Who is this always coming at me? And so I should be good at it, but my brain's just not wired that way, I guess. That's okay. Well, someone's asking in the chat, Kyle's favorite classic rock artist or band would be. Ooh. Um, This might be a little bit of a weird one. Ah, you know what? I would go with Bruce Springsteen. If that oh, the E Street Band. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. That counts. That's that. That's that. They're one of my favorites too. I mean, great. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce is a legend. Yeah, um, yeah I would love to see that guy. Dancing in the Dark, Glory Days. Uh, so many great songs. You know, uh, I'm on fire. Uh, oh gosh, incredible catalog of music. Yeah, you could go on and I could go on and on. Tom about music and classic rock and old school hip hop. I love and even dance and EDM, especially the '90s type. Uh, I, I'm all over the place with the I music. A, I got a Google Dolls concert in August. I'm very excited for. There you go, uh, Google Dolls. So why don't you slide? There you go. There you uh, go. One of their many songs. <laughs> all right, I know uh, we were uh, talking a lot about uh, the past and uh, Kyle's playing career. So to, and we always do that with the guests. But yes, we are going to turn the page now to the NHL. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll recap last night. Let's start with the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Uh, when I look at last night, really, it was Carolina playing a lot better than they did in game one. And I said going into last night, kind of worried the Rangers missed their opportunity to win game one, given how well they played defensively for 58 minutes or so. Uh, and sure enough, Carolina stepped their game up, played a pretty solid uh, 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 game all around. Uh, they led one nothing. They made it stand up. They got the 2 nothing empty net goal. 
Uh, really, uh, how about the guy that scored the eventual game-winning goal, the only non-empty net goal of the game last night in Game 2, Brendan Smith, of all people. So, you know, you had Ian Cole score the overtime game-winner in Game 1, and then Brendan Smith gets the game-winner in Game 2 uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. And you saw the bench erupt when he scored. He's one of those guys that's fought his way to stay in the league, you know, to get an opportunity with Carolina. He's basically a six-seven type defenseman for this team. But here he is scoring a huge goal, terrific pass from Sebastian Ajo uh, on that goal as well. He's had a great first two games. And you can tell the bench just loves the guy. He's physical. He stands up for teammates. He'll drop the mitts. He'll do all of these things that just endear yourself to teammates. And then when you see a guy like that score, it's just, you know, will do anything to help the team win. It goes a long way. And you can see how excited they were after Smith got that goal. A big win for Carolina. They've got a 2 nothing lead in this series. And the New York Rangers, Kyle, they're going to have to hope Madison Square Garden and some home cooking uh, is the cure that ails them because they've got a lot of work to do now in this series. Um, yeah, so I was I was fired up for Brandon Smith. I actually worked out with him for four or five years at the earlier end of his career, but as you kind of alluded to, uh, has had a bit of a roller coaster of a time. Um, so I was excited to see him um, get that goal, obviously now back up playing with Carolina. Um and correct me if I'm wrong, but he was in with the Rangers organization um, for a little yes. bit. So I know you always play with a little bit of an extra. It's insane how many former Rangers are on that Carolina team. Yes, for Faust, Brady Shea, Brendan Smith. I mean, there's tons yeah, of them. That's, that's never a good thing. It was at, like when I was playing my old team, it was always like, um, I mean, you're going to play your best game. Um, unquestionably. So not, not totally surprising. Um, the Rangers are definitely in one. I felt, I felt like Carolina kind of squeaked through that first series against the Bruins. And I don't think they were playing their best hockey. And um, I mean, you never know you're going back into Madison square garden, but um, yeah, they're, they're going to be in one to, for the rest of this series, for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, Vito, uh, what did you think of last night game two there? Carolina looks like right now they're in control. Well, I can say one thing. Uh, I know that players who are not so famous will always stand up in playoffs. You know, there will be not that guys who score all whole season. They will not score in playoffs. You know, there will be I am call. There will be different guys who stand up. Domi, for example, you know, yep. yeah, like Domi, you know, he will dominate. And again, we go back to Aho. You know, we haven't heard much about Aho this season you know he's not like scoring and he's not like being like so much pr productive you know but when it comes to playoff I think Sebastian Aho will be the best player if you look how he plays how he carries the puck how he skates how he passes you know how he plays I mean shorthanded I think he's the best player in Carolina team you know and sometimes you know we have you know players stay without the points you know and I think it's fine you know for example if you look at Sebastian Aho I mean, I think he's all around the place and he's just a good passer. And I think he's the best player in the Canes team, you know, and he doesn't care about the points. And that's the most important thing in playoffs, I would say. You don't need to care about the points. You need to care about the win. And that's what uh, Carolina has showed us in the last games. I mean, they get that one goal and they can hold on to lead. I would say that's super hard in NHL, you know, to hold on one, one to nothing lead. I mean, I have, I have seen European hockey. I have seen Swedish hockey, you know. It's all about forever defense, you know. They get one, two goals, they sit in the defense forever, you know. It's not hard. But in any jail, you know, you have Panarin in front of you, you have Zibanejad, those guys can score. And still, in the end of the day, it's one nothing. I would not call it a two nothing win. I would call it a one nothing win. And I, yes, 
yeah, I would say that Carolina is very well built. And well, I think Boston was a harder series than uh, now, which we have up against the Rangers. I think it should. It, I think uh, Carolina might lose the next game in New York. Then they uh, win the next one. I think Carolina wins this like four-one or four-two. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. all about this series. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I wasn't necessarily sure of that, you know, that Boston uh, was going to be the harder opponent. But, uh, you know, and the Rangers were fortunate. The one thing about the Rangers against Pittsburgh, great character and resilience to come back in that series, but a little bit fortuitous as well because Crosby missed a couple games. Uh, and, uh, you know, Pittsburgh got into penalty trouble as well. I mean, don't take anything away from the Rangers, but, man, it was the, 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 the you know, the, basically it was this small, the, you know, the margin of victory or loss you know, for the Rangers in that first round. Uh, and you figured they'd have to pick it up here in this series if they're going to beat Carolina. The way they played against Pittsburgh was not going to get it done uh, in this series. So they've got to take it to another level. And great point by Vito about Aho and how great he is. And for years, I've thought him and Svechnikov are, you know, equally great players. I'm I'm changing my mind now. I think Aho's a good notch or two above Svechnikov. Svechnikov, I can't find him with a telescope here in this in these playoffs. Svechnikov scores a lot of empty netters during the regular season, but he's yeah. a good winger, you know. He can score. If he gets a chance to score, he will score. But Aho yeah. is the man who will, you know, when you have like a Doncic or Curry in NBA, you know, the playmaker. Yeah. Aho will be the guy who will step on step on in the playoffs. So yeah, I've noticed one. definitely a separation, Vito. No doubt, Aho is superior to, especially here in the playoffs. Svechnikov really, Carolina's gotten to this point here in the second round in spite of Svechnikov because he really hasn't made a big impact. Seth Jarvis has made way more of an impact mm-hmm. than, than Svechnikov. And I, Seth Jarvis, there's another player prop that has just been money in the bank, a cash cow for me this year, uh, betting him for points and to score a goal, shots on goal. Uh, he's been marvelous and credit. I would say uh, Jarvis, Jarvis actually with Martin Natchez, they have a little bit battle, you know, and that's yep. what you need in the team, you know. I think they have a competition for the yep. place in the first line, you know. It could be Natchez or Jarvis, man. And yep. when you have this competition, it brings a good good, good result, you know. You see yep. Jarvis or Natchez, they're stepping up. Now it's Jarvis. We might see Natchez later. Yep, that's right. Competition's good. It makes a hockey team better, no doubt. Speaking of competition, how about the competition in two games in the Battle of Alberta? Craziness uh, that series Whoa. so far, back and forth. If you, this is the one series, if you've been, this is the one series that's been good for overbetters. Uh, this series, Edmonton and Calgary, everything else has pretty much stayed under. You know, Tampa Bay, Florida, two unders. Carolina Rangers, two unders. Colorado, St. Louis, two unders. I don't buy into those two games being true unders, those Colorado games. They could have easily went over, if not for goalposts and great goaltending, but they stayed under. Not the case with the Battle of Alberta. Insane, batshit crazy hockey, and and I love it. I, I'm, I'm eating this up. I think we all are. Uh, we're all into this series, and let's give the Oilers a lot of credit, right? I mean, a great Game 2 win last night, coming back to beat the Calgary Flames, a very impressive win. Uh, you look at they started the game just as poorly as they did just about in game one, but this time they overcame it to come back, win 5-3. Mike Smith, slow start, but he dug in. He played great after the 2 nothing deficit. He didn't let it get to three. And to me, this was another game. And even in game one where they came back tied at 6-6 before they lost 9-6, that was Connor McDavid bringing his team back in that game, in game one. He brought his team back in game two. This guy is just elevated to a level. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. Hell, you know, maybe, maybe Gretzky, but Gretzky, not the speed, not the skating speed uh, that Connor McDavid has. And McDavid's just been 
absolutely remarkable. And his, his I will not be denied shrugging off body checks. They're trying to plaster this fucking guy through the wall, through the boards. They are trying to smash his head into oblivion, this Calgary Flames team here in this series. And he said, nope, I'm not having it. You can try to you know, throw me off my game with your physicality. I'm not going to flinch, and I'm not going to bat an eye in, in spite of it. And, and he's making big-time plays for this Oilers team, spearheaded the comeback. What a, what a game for Zach Hyman as well, uh, the former Leaf, the, the go-ahead goal uh, you know, to give them the first lead of the series, 4-3. Dreisaitl with that ankle sprain, still not even at 100%, and look at what you're getting out of him, just grinding through gutting his way through uh, each game and making an impact. How about on an ankle sprain, scoring goals in each of the first two games of this series for the Oilers. And I've been, I've been harping on this point now for several shows. And you guys know this, that have been watching this show daily. I've said the Calgary flames since game six of the first round against the Dallas stars, it's going to look on paper. What a defensive performance. They're not giving up many shots. They're not giving up many chances. Here's the problem. Since game six, yeah, not many shots or chances allowed compared to what they're getting, but the chances and shots they're allowing, they're way too high quality. They're way too high danger, and Edmonton is going to make you pay for those high danger chances that you allow much more than Dallas will. And I think Calgary found that out last night. They're not giving up as many shots and chances, but what they're giving up is just too too good, too high quality, breakaways, odd man rushes, you know, letting defensemen skate from the blue line and take the puck right to the net to open up space. It's just, it's got to be a little bit tighter for Calgary. They got away with it game six and seven against Dallas. They won't against the high-level skill, finishing ability that the Edmonton Oilers possess. And so now it's going to be a contingent upon Daryl Sutter and the Flames. Uh, to make those adjustments. And one more point I will make about this uh, game, this series, because it's bothered me and it's time to get it off my chest. And I mentioned it on Twitter and then we'll get Vito and Kyle's thoughts. This opinion, these opinion pieces that I saw, I saw multiple opinion pieces referencing Brady Kachuk attending the two playoff games in Calgary uh, in this series in the battle of Alberta with his whole family, his mom, dad, Keith Kachuk was there. Uh, Brady, the whole family supporting Matthew Kachuk. Of course, that's Brady's brother. And to see these moronic opinion pieces saying, I really don't know if it's a good thing for Brady Kachuk to be there uh, at these games in the offseason. He needs to be committed in the offseason to the Ottawa Senators. And all of this absolute bullshit that I, and I couldn't believe I was reading it. Uh, I, ca- I cannot believe there's people that thought that this was a bad thing, that this was a no no. For Brady Kachuk to be at those games, game one and two, supporting his brother. I mean, that's where we're at as a society. We're that fucked up now. I never in a million years thought we'd get to this point, but here we are. We're that fucked up. We're butthurt that a guy is there supporting his brother. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I mean, it's absolute lunacy what I'm seeing on Twitter, that people had that opinion that they have a problem with Brady Kachuk being in there. What do you want the guy to do? (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. Having that opinion, he's cheering his brother. I think it's a wonderful thing. You support your sibling. You support your brother. Yeah, you're there supporting him. What do you want the guy to be doing when his brother's playing a play? We want him to be doing on ice drills. You want him to be doing wind sprints and deadlifts at 10 p.m. Eastern time while his brother's playing a playoff game because he's got to stay committed to the Ottawa Senators. Are you shitting me? I mean, wake up, get real. Seriously, like I know you want him to be committed. 
but it's absolutely ridiculous. What's he supposed to be doing? Watching game film from the Senators while the while his brother's playing a playoff game? Oh, I got to get better. I can't watch my brother. I can't support him. I got to be committed to the Senators here. I got to fix things I didn't do well last season. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's a stupid opinion. I mean, he's supporting his brother. It's a family thing. Don't you love your family? Don't you love your brothers and sisters? Don't you want to see them do well? What the hell is the problem? I rest my case. It's ridiculous. Anyway, Kyle. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, at least if, if, if that's not his dad, that that I would not listen, you know? I, I think it doesn't matter who, what and who writes in media, and, you know? Still, you have to support your family. And if, if that's not a dad who is writing that, yeah, then stay away. So, yeah, overall... I would, I would say that Tatro has, has to, yeah, support his could team. also be in Las Vegas partying or, like, somewhere else partying. Yeah. It's like he's at a hockey game. It's like, who cares? Uh, if anything, he's watching He's watching games. That's good. <laughs> Shouldn't even be taken that way. Um, and I just saw that he was recently – or Budweiser, I think, signed him to some sort of sponsorship. Uh, yeah, people have a problem with that now, too. Who cares? I love that. Good for him. Get a little extra cash in your pocket in the offseason. Why not? Um, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, what did I say to you when you asked me who I was looking at or who I was thinking for all the second round series and my take was Edmonton, if Connor McDavid can continues to play at the level he's playing, it's freaky. Um, and if they want to continue to succeed, that's, what's going to need to have continue happening. And now with that being said, um, I mean, Calgary's clearly the better team. To be honest, I've only watched the first half of the two the two games, which was literally I turned the first game off when I was like 5-6-1 or whatever, and I was like, okay, bedtime. Uh, this is a waste of time. And watched the highlights the next day, and I was like, what the Whoa, 9-6, and it got to 6-6? Six, six? Like, yeah, oh, crazy. Um, so, I mean, if you're a Calgary fan, you need to hope that they – like, obviously, whatever they're – they're starting these games, and it's – uh, well, I don't know if it's Edmonton sleeping or Calgary just coming out lights out, but um, as a Calgary fan, if you're getting these early leads, like you need to learn how to hold that. Now, Calgary hasn't been in a ton of playoff hockey in recent years, so I don't know if this is just a learning curve. Um, in saying that, neither is Edmonton. Edmonton also looks like they're asleep at the wheel to start these games. So uh, I think that's partially what's just creating this, like these crazy games that are super high scoring. Now, I like to think that these teams will settle in a little bit. Um, are they still going to continue to be high scoring? Um, yes, maybe not like what they've been though. Maybe with more in more within more reason. Um, but yeah, no, I, I Connor McDavid obviously been super impressive. Um, I, I still like them. I think if he continues to play that way, um, especially with stealing that game on the road. Um, but again, they need to start starting the game on time. And uh, if they do that, I think Calgary will be in a bit of trouble. But with all that being said, um, if Calgary plays a full 60 minutes, does that Connor McDavid factor away a uh, Calgary team that's playing, everyone in the lineup is playing that full 60? I don't know. Um, regardless, I think it's going to create an interesting series. And now it's 1-1. Edmonton accomplished a great feat getting a split in Calgary. And now they get to go back home, and it's down to a best of five. And I have this series, Kyle, to go seven at plus 210. Great price. Plus 210 on this series to go seven games. 
And I was not feeling great about it after game one because even though it was 9-6, it felt like Calgary was in control most of that game. But Edmonton's pushback was impressive. And now I've got belief this is going to be a long, tough series for both teams. Yeah, yeah I think I they're like that. One thing maybe, guys, uh, we have heard many uh, many things about Smith, Mike Smith, you know. But if you watch the last pass, which me, which he made out of the breakout when it was 4-3 dry title, it's a different level. You, if you watch the highlights, if you see that dumping from the Calgary and the Mike Smith putting that puck out of the zone to drive that little stick for the breakaway, that's different. Like, you think that was Bobby Orr putting that on his tape? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The I mean, he's he's a veteran guy, right? He's yeah. 40 years old. Like he's that been here some experience and not well, to go out there. And he's not going to let what happened in game one rattle him, right? Exactly. He's a guy with a short memory. You don't stick along. along until you're 40 in the NHL as a goalie, if you don't have a short memory, like you figure these things out. So um, yeah, I think, I think I, as you're seeing in these playoffs, um, having veteran experience, whether you're thinking uh, Tampa Bay or St. Louis, like that goes, that goes a long way. Yeah. It and, does. Uh, as well, you know, the dry you know, he has sprained ankle. I have had these injuries in before. I know how, how it's, <laughs> yeah, I know how it's been playing with sprained an ankle. You know, you cannot go hundred percent, but you can still play on the wing, and that's what Dreisaitl will do. You know, he's playing on the wing on the first line, and I think someone else taking care of the second line. It's working out pretty good, uh, good for Oilers at the moment. They're getting some momentum from that. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, we had Matt Carey who played pro hockey years ago on Monday or on Monday's show, and he's running a hockey academy now. And he said it; he was adamant. And I, I actually texted him last night, saying, "Well done. You said it right on this show on Monday. Don't worry about Leon." I know the mm -hmm. ankle sprain, it sounds bad, but they have this, uh, you know, hyper ice and all of this great technology that they use and, you know, ways to medicate and treat and recover from these type of injuries. And you say, he said, watch Leon by game three, he'll be at close to 100% again. Uh, I guess sure everyone thinks it's easier to skate than walk when you have sprained ankle straight away. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that is yeah, definitely true. It's it's basically the pain you have walking around compared to skating. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, on the ice, uh, no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, we've got ourselves a battle of Alberta. We're definitely looking forward to seeing how it goes from here. All right, let's get into the action for this weekend, including the one game. We'll start with the one game tonight here on a Saturday night. It's the game three Western Conference first uh, second round. That should be a second round. Uh, Colorado Avalanche taking on the uh, St. Louis Blues. Uh, we've got Colorado uh, minus 170 uh, road favorites, total six and a half here in this game series tied at 1-1. That was a phenomenal game two road effort from the St. Louis Blues. And I noticed the difference right away in that game stylistically. And Craig Berube, look, it's time to give him credit. He's made good adjustments in the playoffs. I remember three years ago, uh, he changed the lines. He changed the way they came out in terms of defended and their, their posture, their positioning on the ice. And what they did is they had a five-man pack clutter up the neutral zone in game two. Not that they didn't in game one, but they didn't do it as much in game one as they did in game two. And in game two, it was five-man unit, numbers to the puck. He always says that, Craig Berube, numbers on the puck. That means support. That means you're going to be in a position where you're, you're just a group defensive unit out there as a five-man group. And they just took away Colorado's speed through the neutral zone. They didn't let Nathan McKinnon with that horse-like skating stride, you know, gal uh, you know, gallop and giddy up from end to end, from his own zone to the other zone uh, throughout that game. W when did you see Kale McCarr 
do an end-to-end rush or lug the puck up with tremendous uh, speed through the neutral zone. You didn't see it much, and that's the way the Blues played uh, in Game 2. So now it's contingent upon Jared Bednar and the Avalanche now to figure out a way to you know combat what the St. Louis Blues did in terms of their positioning. Really, they made sure that, hey, you're not getting through the neutral zone and your, your zone entry and gaining the blue line, gaining our blue line is going to be difficult. That's what St. Louis did in game two, and they did it magnificently well. And now it's going to be up to Colorado to adjust to that. We'll see if they can. Uh, I was embarrassed and ashamed of a media member in Denver asking Nathan McKinnon after game two, are you worried uh, about the way things are going in this series now? It's 1-1, dude. Settle, settle down. S- sit down, please. I mean, my gosh. I mean, 1-1, and we're going to ask him whether he's petrified or worried. There's still a long series to go, and that's what you get, unfortunately, from a throng of media for, for covering a team that's had these second-round disappointments You know, the last few years. They ask these questions and it always reverberates back around to the what's happened in the past yeah you know, coming up short but you know it's a different season the series is still very early in it it's only game three uh it looks like for the avalanche in terms of their line combinations not really a ton of change they're sticking with you know nachushkin mckinnon ranton and landeskog kadri lekkinen going to be your top uh six forwards burakovsky confer obey kubel helm sturm and cogliano so not really much change there expected tonight the blues are probably not going to make too many changes with a winning lineup in game two there are a lot of long-term stats and records that point to colorado i mean their their numbers off a loss the kind that they had in game two are pretty damn staggering and impressive 20 and 6 in their last 26 games after a loss of three goals or more and 40 and 11 in their last 51 games after scoring two or less in their previous game. So when they've had a game where they've gotten blown out, a game where they haven't really scored a, a bunch of goals, they were held to one, uh, of course, in game two. They've been really good bouncing back the next game. You know, this could be a zigzag series. I, I like Colorado in the first period in this game more than I, I lean the regulation as well with Colorado around even money. But you can get Colorado first period puck line tonight at plus 145, plus 150. Uh, in that range, that means Colorado leads after the first period. You cash your ticket. I think they come out strong early uh, after what happened in game one. Uh, let's not forget, first period of game two wasn't that bad for them. Game one, even though they were down one nothing after the first period, uh, they had a ton of chances, multiple posts uh, in that opening period. So I think that, and I think I'd rather take the first period than, say, money line, certainly, or even regulation line where you have to lay a price because you get that plus 150 payback uh, with Colorado uh, minus a half goal in the first period uh, if it cashes. So uh, that's what I'm going to be looking at here, Colorado first period puck line. And maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but at some point this game, this series will have a game that goes over the total. This could be the night. Uh, when I look at it, I know we had two unders, but boy, expected goals much higher in game one and in game two than the final score would indicate. I think tonight could be that night where, especially with the change of venues, you could see uh, more goals go in. I know Bennington's been good, and Kemper's a capable goalie. But to me, the stats bear out that we should have had more than 4-1 to one in terms of goals on the board in Game 2. We should have had more uh, than, than it was in Game 1 as well uh, in this series, where it was 3-2 Colorado in overtime, and they had 54 shots. There should have been more goals there. I think at some point you're going to see floodgates open a little bit. And I think tonight could be that night. So I am going to take a chance one more time 
uh, with over six and a half here uh, with the Avalanche and the Blues. Vito, we'll start with you on this one. Game three tonight, Colorado, St. Louis. Yeah, well, playoffs always are tough, you know, and uh, I think uh, my opinion to the viewers will be uh, a little bit confusing, you know, but I will come up with my final uh, decision in the end. But, you know, it's 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 playoffs, you know, and uh, if you can't... If you look at the, how these teams do, you know, I mean, when you look l- l- really at the playoff, what you need, you need size. Size is with Blues, you know. When you look at the special teams, special teams are better for the Blues in a wild series, but now with the Colorado, I would say it's even, you know. Both special teams are great. When it comes to goalie, I mean, Binnington still hasn't shown the best, so maybe it's even, you know. I don't know. Binnington or Kemper, it's still the same way. When it comes to injuries, injuries, there are no injuries. And when it comes to five on five, it's all with Colorado. And in the end of the day, how these series are going, I mean, Blues, Blues, we have seen all, all season long, the first game at home for the Blues is struggle. I mean, the first playoff series with Wild, they came home, they lost to Wild 1-5, you know. And we have That's seen true. that all, series, uh, all season long. I mean, Blues are a great team. They're a veteran team. They have depth and, I mean, they can play good when they need to play good, you know. They can cycle the puck. I mean, Tarasenko can get on the shape. I mean, they all can play good if they want. But when they are off a win, I mean, now in the playoffs, it doesn't show like they really play the best, you know. So, yeah, I mean, now they're having abs at the home. And in their opinion, they should think, okay, now we're having abs. We have to play better than we played against the Wild that time, you know, the first game at home. But still, I would not risk with that. I would I would think I would still stick with abs here. And I mean, in the end of the day, how the Blues can score really, it's, you know, the old man rushes for the Blues are crucial. You know, if abs get that lead 1-2 or 2-1 or whatever, uh, the uh, I mean the other side, if the Blues get the lead, you know, and abs need to chase back, if the Blues get those old man rushes, Kairou, man, he's crucial on that 3-1, on 3-2, on those passes he's doing, man, he, he will execute on those passes in the end of the day. So, yeah. In the end of the day, in this game, I think I will not change my opinion. You know, I was thinking that maybe I should play Blues because they will think that Avs are more serious team than Wild, and we have to be ready to to that first game. But again, why why I should change my opinion? I think still Blues will be flat out. I think Blues will be flat out first game. I mean, yeah, it's Binnington and and so on, and it's Camper and so on. But I think the Blues first game at home of that away road, they will come home. I don't think they will be ready enough especially after the win after a great game you know that's what blues do they kind of kind of lose that that regression progression i would say and they lose I, that edge because they won the last yeah, game. i think that I, I think that as today on the road game i i think they just have this hungerness you know if you look at mckinnon his legs are walk, working all the time if you look at nichushkin that that guy, that guy, big, now, that, big profits too. For, from a prop standpoint, that guy's been terrific for props. Terrific, yeah. And yeah, well, overall, of course, I mean, it's all about the refs, you know. And you can blame the refs if he gives the penalty or not. But then you have the PK, so the PK has to step up. And obviously, Peron, Peron, been an unbelievable player for the Bulls. Yeah. I mean, Peron is the guy who you want to bet in playoffs. If you're looking for the player props, Peron is the guy. I mean, he is not there in regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, we have those guys. Again, I'm talking about those guys. Peron is the guy from the Blues who you want to look at. He will step up. And from the from the AF side, I mean, everything is great, you know, but I kind of miss Donskoy front. Uh, 
you know, there was Donskoy uh, last year, you know. Now, yeah. in the front of the net, they held Kadri or Landeskog or someone else changing, but Donskoy was the guy who was very good in front of the net for the Avs last year, you know, in the playoffs. So, he's not there now. But anyways, today, I know that the price is, I, in my opinion, maybe Blues, if you talk about the value, I think Blues could be the play here. But in the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, we, we saw what happened in the game one, you know. And I would go with the thing what happened in the game one, you know, because the game two is game two, you know. That's uh, already a different thing. Now we come again to the game one. I think Avs will, will dominate this game, in my opinion. I think we're going to, you know, I, I think we're going to see the Blues again not ready for the game one, you know. I think they, everybody will think that, okay, it's Avs, now Blues have to be ready for the game one and so on. But I think they will be not ready, you know. And uh, I can see uh, Avs winning this game like uh, 6-2. So give me Avs wow. in uh, regulation. Abs in regulation, and you're saying six to two. Yeah. By the way, when Vito says they're not ready for game one, home game one is what he means because it's yeah. game three of the series, but he meant home game one. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's what that that's what he meant. I knew what you meant. I just wanted to clarify it for everybody. Yeah. Home game one, and look, home game one against Minnesota. You mentioned it was game three of that series, and they lost. They didn't play well. Minnesota took it to them. So. I agree. I like Colorado a little bit here, but I like the first period. I think that's the value. That plus 150, I expect – shame on Colorado if they don't come out fucking strong in the first 20 minutes after the last game and get the job done in the first 20 minutes. I mean, after losing that last game, I think they will. By the way, they've won three straight in St. Louis, Colorado, three straight. So they've shown the ability to win here uh, on the road. There's no slight against the Blues, and I agree. I think that price, you look at it, plus 150, that is tempting on the Blues, home underdogs, but – at this time of year, especially at playoff time, you don't want to be betting value. You want to be betting who you think is going to win the game, especially, and who you think maybe sets up better to win the game. And I think for Colorado, that's them. It's the, I think it's their turn to respond here. Uh, Ky, uh, by the way, props, big valve for Colorado. I like player props of any kind, goals, points, and shots on goal. Kadri, because of the fact McKinnon's going to get shadowed a ton. And look, Barube's going to have last change. He's going to get top checking line top D pair on the ice against McKinnon. I think that means Kadri is going to be more of a willing shooter and, and that from the center position on the second line. Uh, and maybe look at Lekkonen, who's on that second line right wing side. He's had chances and you're getting great prices for goals, for points with him, Arturi Lekkonen for Colorado. For St. Louis, I'd stick with the ones that have been working. Perron, Cairo, and certainly O'Reilly Auto Parts, Ryan O'Reilly. Just bet him to get a point. He's gotten a point, I think, in what, six or seven straight games uh, for the Avalanche here, in, or for the Blues, rather, here in the playoffs. One, two, three, four. He has collected a point in all but one playoff game so far. And for the playoffs, Ryan O'Reilly has two, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points. Ten points for Ryan O'Reilly so far in the playoffs in uh, eight uh, playoff games. Uh, that's very impressive. So, And he's only minus 145 to get a point uh, tonight, Ryan O'Reilly. So... I mean, it's just if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He has just been hitting the score sheet game in and game out. Uh, Kyle, what do you think here game three tonight? Um, so, well, just rolling off what you just said um, with the pro player props, Kadri was exactly who I had lined up. Um, I mean, I guess thinking bigger picture here, um, you know Colorado's going to come out hungry. Um, yeah, they're on the road, but um, – I think a lot of the stuff Vito was saying um, makes a lot of sense. And I, th I just think Colorado's do. Um, they've been a bit snake bitten. And um, I feel like Kadri in general is due. 
Um, and then from the St. Louis side, I do like O'Reilly as well. The guy, he's just a veteran presence, um, been here, done that before kind of thing. So, you, you know, he's going to have a good game. Um, but you know, the, the series is kind of crazy because I'm, uh, as I was speaking about the vet, veteran presence and just sort of having that experience uh, of winning a cup goes a long way. Um, you know what it takes to win. And I'm a big Jordan Bennington fan. So, yeah, I have a tough time betting against St. Louis. But with it, with all that being said, um, Colorado is probably it's, it's their time. They need to win. Um, they want to win. They've been in, stuck in this second round slump, if you want to call it that, for a while. Um, and, and they've been playing well, right? So you got to like their chances tonight. Um, and you're, I expect them to come out strong. So I'm, I'm really liking that uh plus 110 first period um now if bennington stays on his head stands on his head for the entire game maybe st louis is somehow able to figure that, that something out but um so yeah I, I definitely like that bet i think the game is a little bit more up in the air as far as if bennington is able but i think it's going to be a bennington thing more than anything else um, i think he's really going to have to play well um and then I also like the over. Um, I think the over makes a lot of sense here. Um, as, as both of you guys have kind of mentioned, the Colorado's just had a lot of chances. They, like you said, they had 54 shots um, in game one. And so eventually these are going to drop. Um, and as good as Bennington is, everyone has an off game every once in a while. Um, so yeah, I, I like Colorado. Um, I don't know if I love the line. Uh, because I, I do see a world where Bennington stands on his head again and yeah. um, St. Louis is at home. I, I, get, I, I feel like it's more a function of what St. Louis is going to show up um, than it is. Because we know what Colorado is bringing to the table. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that was all over the map. but <laughs> That's all right. We, we're like that when we analyze a game. We're all over the place. I mean, I always have my thoughts just – it's just all these thoughts that are just in your head and in your brain, and you want to make sure you get them them out, and you're like, I'm all over the map. But it's it's playoff hockey. You don't, you don't really know which way it's going to go. Um, I think they're two evenly matched teams. Uh, I do think it's Colorado's year, but I hate underestimating a team that's been there before. Um, Tampa, perfect example of that. Exactly. And uh, so you're liking Colorado here and you're liking that first period as well, minus a half, which is uh, plus 150. It's a terrific price uh, on the uh, first period puck line for the Avs. And Vito likes them in regulation. And yeah, but I, I like the I over. Was, I was glad that I don't think no one of us underestimated Blues here in this no. spot. I think that. Uh, the people who are still thinking the Blues can win. I'm not game. underestimating the Blues, yeah. Vito, because I've got plus two and a half games on them in the series. You know, yeah. plus two and a half games uh, on them to be able to uh, uh, be able to. Uh, I think you know, for the Blues, they just have to somehow slow down the game. I know they can slow the, down the game, you know, but somehow they just have to slow down it even more, you know. As I mean, if you just look at the Rantanen, he's been a little bit unlucky in this series. You know how many posts he have hit. I mean. Bennington at one point, you know, he he let in like six or seven posts in one game, you know. At the one point, it will come back to him, you know. I mean, it, we have seen Bennington 2019, you know, when he came back from AHL and he played on the Willable Series and so on. And if he does that thing, I mean, my bet is lost and I will be okay with that, you know, because I I mean, Bennington can get, okay, Bennington can get hot, you know, and 
okay, I will be okay if I lose a bet against him. But, but overall, yeah, I think Avs is the play here, but you never know what can Binnington bring. Binnington can be great. Binnington has found 2019 Jordan Binnington when they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, regular season Binnington didn't look anything like that. But look, playoff Binnington is, you know, has been absolutely terrific. There's no question about that. You look at it the series so far, too. Expected goals 4.68 to 3.45 in favor of Colorado. So a significant edge there. And that tells you there should be more goals. 52 to 32 scoring chances edge in favor of Colorado as well. 19 to 14 with the high danger uh, chances in favor of Colorado as well through the first two games of this series. So it indicates that even though it's been 1-1, they have had the better of the play the majority of the first two games. And we'll see if uh, they can uh, regain the series lead here tonight. And I'm like I said, I'm on St. Louis plus two and a half games uh, in this series to push it to at least six games because I didn't think uh, I think you're gonna win. I think you're gonna cash out this after uh, the home series in St. Louis. I think it's gonna end two two. I sure hope so. Uh, that would be great because I, I I was not underestimating. Like I like Colorado tonight, but I'd, it's not me underestimating St. Louis. I figured they'd push this Avalanche team pretty good. And so far, they've done that in two games. So Vito and I are on tomorrow at noon Eastern. We'll have another guest with us tomorrow. So we're going to save our opinions for tomorrow's games for then. But we'll get Kyle's thoughts before we wrap up the show on the two, three games tomorrow. We'll start with Eastern Conference, second round game three, Florida, Tampa Bay, even money, minus 110, total six and a half. I sure as hell don't trust Florida to win uh, another game in this series. But I think I am tempted to maybe go with some kind of a Florida in the first period in this game, just because, look, if it's going to if this is balls to the wall, this is, you know, grab your balls, get out there and fucking show up. You know, you're down to nothing. Uh, you have no tomorrow. You got to win this game. I expect the first 20 minutes, maybe Florida's jumping, maybe Tampa Bay, you know, two wins on the road. They come back home distractions, you know, with family shit, which Kyle and any hockey player knows all about. When you return home after a couple of road games, you're a little bit distracted. Maybe Florida jumps on them early because they're absolutely desperate right now. Sense of urgency has to be at its highest here in game three. I think Florida in a first period look either you could play minus 110 to be safe or you could go with the minus a half at a great plus price for better value in the first period. But that's all I I do with Florida. I don't trust them for 60 minutes. I just don't. I've seen now two games in this series where they've started out pretty well, and Tampa Bay has gotten stronger in each of the first two games. So that's my initial lean there. Kyle, what do you think for game three tomorrow, Florida, Tampa Bay? Yeah, it's a tough one. Going back to Tampa, down two games. Um, I, honestly, I like Florida. I don't, know, I don't know what the line is off the top of my head. Uh, do we have that? It's minus 110. Uh, for uh, the money line with the uh, game three tomorrow. And like I said, that Florida puck line, if you want a little bit greater value, it's probably going to be minus a half, close to plus 180, plus 190. You're really going to get good value with that if you like the Panthers early in the game tomorrow. I I, th- I, I mean, I like that bet. Um, I also just, I, th- I feel like your back's against the wall at this point as Florida. Um, Tampa's feeling pretty good right now. Um they're going to have a good game, but I think Florida is just going to come out lights out and I feel like they'll figure it out for 60 minutes, but it, it may just be 60 minutes and that will be their series, um, which is a little disappointing because I did have um, high hopes for them this year. Um, they've, they've been rock solid all year, but um, this Tampa team has just kind of found their groove. Um, they're the defending champs and it's, 
I, I just can't, especially at this point, go against them. But um, knowing when teams are desperate and your back's against the wall, um, I, I feel like they're going to come out strong tomorrow. And I, I, I think I would take that. Um, and then over under on that six and a half as well. Um, I would think I would go with the under on that. Um, I don't see it being a high scoring game. Vasilevsky, uh, the primary reason why. But again, I think Florida's going to play a much tighter game. Um, I think they'll find a way to win, but low scoring. So Florida and then the under. So uh, Florida or Tampa in the under? Florida early. You like Florida early, right? I like Florida early, but I also like I, I like that bet better. Um, yeah. But I also like the the game as well. Um, yeah. I I I have a difficult time seeing them get swept. And I feel like if this if there's a game that there's gonna they're gonna win, it's gonna be this one. Um, just just because it's like you you just went down too quick so quickly, like you're in shock, so to speak. Um, and they get this extra day off to kind of regroup and they're gonna they're gonna come out strong tomorrow. And I think they're gonna be able to keep it together for that 60. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll make it simple for and I'll save the props for tomorrow, but there's a few I'm liking. I'll just throw out one right now, Perry. Three goals in the last four games. He's undervalued. Uh, oh man, Corey Perry. Yeah. How good's he been? He's been absolutely remarkable. I mean, he can still play. He can. This is when he shows up. He's too, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame player. Yeah. And he's and getting it done. We have Kucherov. We have Stamkos. We have Perry. It's all Hall of Fame players. I mean, it's too much, man. It's too. I mean, those guys know when to stop. Uh, when to step up, you know, in the right time. I mean. It's unbelievable how they do that, you know. And I, I think the most important part comes to the coach, you know. Cooper, he's he's so confident in those guys. He's so confident. I think he doesn't need to speak anything. And and they know when to stop him at the right time. I mean, this series, I think, uh, all, yeah, everything can happen. But I, I think it's ending 4 nothing, as Alex said, you know, before in the show. I think... Uh, Get the brooms out, says Vito. And Alex, who was on the show, said after uh, the other night that he liked Florida in the first period. And, if yeah. that, and obviously that didn't cash in game two. But he was also betting Tampa to win the series 4 nothing, yeah. four straight at plus 750. Look at that price. You turn 100 into $750 if you place 100 bucks on that. I and think it's all about a little bit of experience, actually. If you just look, uh, Florida has never really been in a playoffs. Okay. okay. And then yeah. we have Andrew Brunette, you know. Also been only with Wild, you know, and there's no really big playoff experience. You know, if the guys start to take penalties, who's gonna tell tell him? You know, stop taking penalties, stop taking. Giroud, Giroud, huh? they got they yeah, got... Giroud, exactly, Giroud or who Giroud, but he just now came to the team. You know how how he's gonna come in there and tell the tell the things. You know how it's in the hockey team. Yeah, but like... you got the he's widely seen as um that guy that, that guy has a presence. Um, he's been around the league long enough. When you bring a guy in like that, he doesn't have to say it or be like the most vocal guy in the dressing no. room. But I think having someone, it was a good, great move on Florida's end to bring him in because, like, obviously they're missing that to your point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not saying it, um, and that that's an issue. Yeah, it's it's something to uh, definitely. Uh, Claude Giroux definitely helped the team, uh, but there is some truth to that. As much as he's respected. He's not been in the dressing room from day one this year for the whole season. It's a little bit like Nick Foligno never fit with Toronto for some right. reason. And he just came in midway. And look, he's got well-respected. He's got great leadership skills. It just didn't fit, you know, with him in Toronto. 
I don't think it's been that bad with Giroux in Florida, but I don't think he's quite performed quite up to the level they thought. And maybe there's just been not quite that dressing room fit as well as they thought with him either. So and it's, it's and an I interesting debate. Brunette doing yeah. the live uh, game interviews, you know, he's smiling and he's having a good time, you know. <laughs> well, you like to see him get pissed, right? Ah, oh, we're playing like shit cover, here. Man. Get going, yeah. I mean, I, I think coach has to be, you know, stronger. That doesn't matter what kind of a team, you know. I think coach is what drives the team in the end of the day, you know. If you're 25 or you're 30, you're 33, in the end of the day, if you have a coach who can tell you what to think, what to do and you have a respect to the coach you do the performance you know if you don't have a respect to the coach yeah it was a tough loss all things aside losing yeah. Quenville, uh yes. this year for florida because he was a guy that's been there done that multiple times uh, basically forced to resign because of the beach situation yeah no no, no of course um that, that's what i meant all things aside yeah. um don't need to go down that road but no. uh <laughs> That was a tough loss for Florida, I think, in general. Um, yeah. He, he had that Stanley Cup cachet. Yeah. Um, to kind of set the tone, right? When things aren't going the way you want them to. Yeah. So it'll exactly. be, it'll be regular season is regular season, you know. Uh, any coach can carry on the regular season and get it done, you know. But when it comes to the playoff, yeah. Right. John Cooper. All right, good stuff. We all usually have about a 90-minute max for the show, so we're going to make sure we cut the we wrap it up in the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, that way we can get on with our Saturdays. Uh, we've got two more games. We'll let, get Kyle's thoughts on them. Carolina, Hurricanes, New York Rangers, two more Sunday games, that is. Uh, Carolina minus 115 uh, road favorites here uh, against New York. Uh, the total uh, right now, uh, five and a half shaded to the under uh, in this game. This is game three, Madison Square Garden tomorrow afternoon. Uh, right now, I'm leaning probably in New York. First, like I'm in a great spot with Carolina to win the series, and I think they are winning the series. But if look, this is definitely a New York spot. You got to have it. They have been good at home this year. They played good enough to be in the games in Game One and in Game Two. They outplayed Carolina in Game One, and even in Game Two, when Carolina stepped it up, they're still one goal away, one shot away from tying that game. The Rangers. So I think the Rangers have a win in them. Basically, I don't think they're getting swept. This is probably the spot for them. So the Rangers first period, Rangers full game. You know, split is something I might look at here. Uh, Kyle, what are you thinking here? Game three, Canes, Rangers. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Um, to your point, they've been in both games. Uh, they've both been very tight. Uh, how much does that home ice advantage help out? Definitely helps out, right? You get the matchups you want. So I, I like uh, New York as well. Uh, as far as the game, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty much an even line. So not... Yeah, no, nothing crazy there. Um, and then as far as the over-under, uh, <laughs> that one seems like a coin flip to me. Um, like a 3-2, 4-3 game. I, both of those seem very reasonable. So I do like the Rangers um, as far as over-under. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to say under the both these games have been low scoring. They both seem to play pretty defensively. So um, I think I would go with the under um, and then player props. Um, I, let me see. Pulling up the different lines here. Seth Jarvis. That, that would be Seth for me. Jarvis for your boy. Yeah, no, he's looked lights out. Um, Okay. The, I think Lafreniere has some kind of impact at home. I don't know. It's got that feel to it. I think he's had chances. I think he's been noticeable. I've seen him getting in scrums after the whistle. You know, not so scared to mix it up. He's on that kid line with uh, Heedle and Kako. 
Uh, and I think, you know, you look at it, he's had, uh, you know, he's had chances. He had the point in uh, game one for the, uh, for the Rangers. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say don't bet Kreider props, advantage Ad Panarin, the obvious choices, but I think Andrew Kopp's another under the radar Rangers prop choice. And same with Alexi Lafreniere. Those would be the ones I'd consider for value. Uh, quick addition to this uh, series, and I will be out. Pay attention to special teams and pay attention to penalty kill for Car- Carolina Hurricanes yeah. and how Rangers are not scoring in power play. That's right, which is, you're right, that number one penalty kill all season long, the Carolina Hurricanes, they've looked like it. Man, they, they keep in the puck in the offensive zone uh, yeah. for the Rangers power play. That penalty kill from Hurricanes, crucial. Crucial, and that's killing Rangers. That's what Rangers are good on, power play, and it's not there against Hurricanes. All right, so there we go. Like in uh, New York in the under, uh, Kyle. Although I kind of lean the over here, Kyle. We might have to drop the mitts here. I'm telling you. Look at me. Look at me. You can't handle me, man. You can't. Well, we can go head to head. Save. Yeah. Don't get bet three six five. The. I mean, and if you guys add, oh, I'm unbelievable. I'm unbelievable being Ranta for Hurricanes. I mean, we all thought, you know, it's gonna be a problem, and it's gonna be what. People were afraid winning Hurricanes against the Bruins, and look at that, how how well Hurricanes play it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, no question. Should be interesting, but I think the Rangers have a win in them. We'll see if it's tomorrow. And the last game for Sunday, and again, Vito and I are on tomorrow, so we'll go in depth with these Sunday games, Vito and I and our special guest tomorrow. Uh, game three, Western Conference, second round, Battle of Alberta, Calgary-Edmonton tomorrow night in Edmonton, Rogers uh, place in Edmonton. Uh, Calgary minus 120 road favorites, six and a half the total. Series tied 1-1. I'm, I'm definitely going to be back to the over here. I mean, a cash with it in game one, cash with it in game two. And everybody was talking in game two, well, these teams are going to want to tighten it up. I just think there's too many offensive advantages for both teams. Calgary's got four lines of scoring depth. They can get any of those four lines to contribute on the scoreboard. Edmonton's depth defensively still shaky in my opinion. I love Nurse, and I'm not just saying that because he's from Hamilton like me. He's that he's been great. Uh, Cody Cece, I mean, he scores the goal against LA, huge goal. But then they're talking about him like he's you know Paul Coffey or something. I mean, geez, I mean, he's, this is a guy that didn't stick with Toronto or Ottawa, and, and I you know he's had a nice little playoff so far. But let's calm down a bit. Duncan Keith, I'll say this: Duncan Keith has been a struggle. It's been a tough playoff, but I love the way he battled back from a tough mistake he made on the second Calgary goal he jumps into the play takes the pass on the Edmonton first goal scores that big goal to get the Oilers back in it and I thought his game after that settled down and was much better good for Duncan Keith I want to see him play well I hate it when I see these great players Hall of Fame careers they've had amazing careers they're amazing players for a long time and then you see at the end father times knocking on their door and they're not quite that same player, and they struggle. I don't like seeing that. It's kind of sad to see that. So to see Duncan Keith bounce back from a tough goals ag- goal against early in that game and then score right after, that was great to see. You know, you got Bouchard is starting to really become a great offensive defenseman. You've got Barry, although they're still a little suspect, both of those guys in their own end uh, defensively. But, you know, I just think there's too many offensive advantages. And look, Calgary's not giving up half the chances and shots that Edmonton is, but what they're giving up is too juicy, too good high danger, high quality chances that they are allowing Calgary going all the way back to game six of the first round off the charts. So for me, more than either side in game three, it would probably be the over. I guess I'd lean Calgary from a side perspective, minus 120, because it's got that zigzag type of feel this series. 
win one, lose one, win one, lose one, because it seems like it's going to be a competitive long series. So I lean Calgary definitely will be on the over. Kyle, what do you like here? Game three, Battle of Alberta, Sunday night. Uh, so I, I like the over. Uh, I agree. Just way too much offense. Everything in, just, just goals being scored. Um, I do like the Oilers, though. Um, they just I, they just haven't played well at all, I don't think, um, especially with the slow starts. You got to think that yep. they're back into their barn. They're going to be coming out hot. Um, so First period thought, Oilers, maybe, to avoid a slow start. You could consider that. That that would be something to consider. Um, but I, I like them for the 60. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're they're finding a way. Um, you got to think McDavid's going to have another big night um, just playing in front of his crowd, his people. Um, as far as props, I like Hyman. I don't know what the line's at, but he's had two two big games, um, finding the back of the net, feeling it. Um, I mean, outside of that, um, I feel like the others are relatively obvious. Three goals, three points in two games for Hyman, by the way. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that that's kind of where I'm leaning. Uh, it, to your point, though, I think it's going to be a long series. So in theory, it's going to be a close game, um, but high scoring. And right. Hyman was the, the one prop that I had. Yeah, to me, I I always say uh, while we love Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and always they're a threat to get on the scoreboard and rack up points every game they play. You always want the value, right? When you're looking for bet, a better prices and you could get great, you know, bang for your buck bargains with, you know, the likes of Evander Kane, uh, Kyler Yamamoto, who's been able to step up and certainly Zach Hyman as well. Uh, you don't get them priced like Leon and Connor are, and yet they can make every bit the impact on a lot of nights that those two guys do in terms of hitting the score sheets. So, yeah, it makes uh, Hyman, you can't argue with it, three points, three goals in two games so far for Edmonton. What a great series that has been, uh, no question. Yeah, I'll let you say something, Beto, about this quickly. And let me add a little bit, uh, Ian. Uh, I there's one guy who is in the chat asking a lot about the first period in Blues and Avalanche. I would like to hear uh, opinions from you both, actually. How do you think the first period, can it go under one and a half today, again, uh, Blues between the Avalanche? Because I can see that, actually. I can see that Avalanche tries to go out hard and push and Blues wants to slow it down and can, it can go under one and a half in first period. What do you think, guys? That's, I think so. I think it can. Uh, it's, uh, to me, this is a game where I don't have a strong feel for the total in the first period, but I think it's going to be a game where it could stay under in the first and then really open up after that. Because we really have seen, if you look at the uh, the shot tra trajectories and the chances, a lot of them have been coming second, third period in those St. Louis, Colorado games, the first two. So first period, I don't have no argument. Even though I'm on over six and a half for the full game, I don't really have a strong argument against me looking at an under one and a half in the first period. What do you think, Kyle? Uh, yeah, no doubt. I ge genuinely, or not genuinely, but generally, I'm not, just not a fan of, well, specifically basketball because I feel like I bet more on basketball, but like taking quarter bets uh, or half bets. Yeah. Um, with that being said, um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the over just because I know Colorado is going to come out so hot. And so could I see Colorado get a quick one and Edmonton maybe tie it up. Um, and then now you're pushed over. Uh, like that seems very real to me. And like, I feel like that could happen. And I could feel like it could be a one, one game going into the third uh, with 10 minutes left to go. 
Um, I could also see it being a two nothing game. So, and that both those goals being scored early, I just feel like it's, I feel like that game is going to Colorado is just very, uh, you know, they're going to come out hot. You're worried it could be two nothing Colorado in the first period. Cause right. I know I have that sense that maybe that's the case as well. Cause they're yeah, just coming I, out strong after four, one loss at home. You just know that Colorado is going to answer. Um, St. Louis is going to be, we, I just don't know what kind of, what they're going to come out as, but I, I feel like it might be a little bit of an open first period in my opinion. Um, as far as like just people not being settled in to the series or the, like transitioning into St. Louis. Yeah, that's definitely a, that's definitely a concern that I would have with that uh, as well. Uh, no question. Yeah, I, think, I, I can add about the first period. They also would not gamble on that first period, you know, because there's yeah. so luck, many lucky bounces in the NHL, you know, and I, I know that I'm going to see a scoring chance in the first period in this game. So every, everything can happen, you know, so I would not also play that first period, but anything can happen. All right. So great stuff. Now, this is a hockey betting show, but with Kyle, Kyle is an active better, by the way. He is definitely not like you said, is dabble in hockey, but not as much as some other sports. What are your other sports that you love betting and uh, which ones do you focus on most? Uh, NFL football is definitely yes, number one. Um, I don't know. I feel like football is just the best betting sport. Like, well, it's predictable uh, as far as from like a winning perspective. I remember my best year was the year that the, Patriots were down 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Um, But that entire year, I had been riding the Patriots, um, and they were hitting every um, line. And the Browns, whoever they were. Appreciate you opening up the old wound there on that. Because guess who was on Atlanta that night? The Dirty Birds. And they lived up to the name Dirty Birds. They did me dirty. So I I doubled down at halftime and ended up covering both bets. Um, So... (laughs) uh yeah i know that was that was like the pinnacle of my betting career um ended up losing it all in basketball (laughs) basketball's been actually nba has been really good for me this year it's been really good boston celtics and the playoffs in particular great for me nba playoffs is fine to bet on um and i've found that to be okay but regular season it was like well, you don't know who's in the goddamn lineup every night, you know. It's, well, that that's an issue. And then if they are in the lineup, are they showing up? Is that are they even playing to win? <laughs> Do they give a shit? Do they care? Yeah, exactly. it, it's hard to read, and I found out the hard way. So now, yeah, stay. I stay away from that typically. Uh, but NFL definitely um, still like playing. Yeah, and then I've been with hockey. I've been more DraftKings, but. Yeah, as I'm sure you're, you've heard, they in Ontario they've banned DraftKings. Um, they, they banned that makes no sense to me. I have no idea why they do this, but because they've got the sports book and casino now regulated yeah. in Ontario, they, they get rid of the DFS component of it. What is the fucking logic in that? I, I honestly don't get it. The OLG just needs to hold all the power. That's what that, that is. Means. Yeah, um, it is. But disappointing. And I'm not a huge DFS overall, but I'm I'm disappointed for those people that are. I mean, I, I think that's ridiculous, to be to be honest. I mean, the, yeah, no. Well, we have a group at work that we like play with um, yeah. that are kind of all over the place. But now all the guys in Ontario have been banned. Um, that so, being said, I mean, they are our sponsors, so I should shut up now and uh, mention that <laughs> it is great to have a DK uh, sports book here uh, in Ontario, and we're very. Ha- I, I am happy about that, and it is a good sports book, a very good sports book. So. 
uh, there we go. That's that's enough of the negativity before I get uh, a email sent to me and saying, what were you trying about us? Yeah, yeah, on this show, yeah. Good stuff. What a show. I'm sorry it was so long, Kyle, but uh, it's not usually this long, but we did the uh, career retrospect for you and all this stuff. And uh, no, you did a great job. Vito is always great job. Uh, of course, on the weekends, uh, Saturday and Sunday, we're back tomorrow at noon Eastern. Before we, you know, we got best bets coming up to wrap up the show. First of all, we will mention DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, great partners here with the uh, Ice Guys and the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers uh, bet just one dollar on any NHL team, get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. Bet just one dollar on any NHL team, get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they win. That's promo code. THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in DraftKings Sportsbook state. Uh, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right, great stuff. And someone in the chat, Rich H, says, so cool to have a boomer relative on the ice, guys. Thanks for doing this, Kyle. There you go. Love it. Knows the next name. Yeah. Well done, Rich. Nice call with that. Great comment. Yeah. And Kyle definitely uh, appreciates that. All right. Best bets to wrap up the show. Vito, let's start with you. What do you like for best bet? Yeah. Well, we talked only about one game, you know, and still offense is good for both teams. But uh, if you look at the decor, I mean, I still like Avalanche a little bit better. I like Byram and I like. Obviously, Makara, I like Taves. I like those D-men, you know. I think they're better than Scandella, Pareko, and who we have for Blues, you know. And I know oh. the Blues have depth and the Avs have also depth. But I think in this game, we're going to see what happened in the first game. I think we're going to see the same performance. Blues coming off a win. They're going to be a little bit slower. I think Avs going to bring them the same performance they bring in the first game. I think, as I said, okay. Not always my predictions are right, but I think Avs are winning this like five to one, and let's hope Kemper is Kemper is good. All right, Colorado in regulation for Vito with his best bet. Yeah, it's not DK's fault with the DFS getting, uh, you know, uh, canceled in the province or in the state of Oregon as well. It's the state, it's the province, it's the government. Uh, they're the ones that uh, are basically making the rules, and unfortunately, they got to abide by them. All right, Kyle Bond, great job. Uh, once again, all our guests have been great. Kyle, once uh, great as uh, as well. Uh, what do you like, Kyle, for uh, best bet? Uh, I got to go Abs first period. Um, I just don't know how they're not going to come out super strong. Um, so yeah, take that plus one ten. All right, there we go. Oh, we'll give you better than that, my friend. Uh, Colorado minus a half, plus 150 uh, in the uh, first period. Great price with that uh, tonight against St. Louis. Best bet for uh, Kyle Bond. All right, my best bet is going to be, I'm going to go with the over, uh, six and a half. Uh, you know, minus 120. I know two unders. I know that definitely the goaltending from both of these guys, Bennington and Kemper, is good enough to keep this game under. Uh, but I think change of venue, and this is an angle that sometimes works. You see in two games go over the total in one venue. They go to the other venue for game three, scene shifts, and you sometimes get the opposite game flow. You know, two unders in the first two games, game three goes over. 
or, or two overs in the first two games and game three stays under. That's happened a lot, I notice, in playoffs and NBA and NHL, for that matter, uh, in recent years. I think we got a chance to see that tonight. Uh, let's go St. Louis, uh, Colorado, St. Louis, over six and a half, minus 120 uh, for my best bet. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. A great show. We appreciate all you, everyone tuning in. Hit the like button on the way out. And a reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Vito, our special guest, Kyle Bond, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Saturday. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Sunday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.